Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Today, we're going to talk about communion, okay? We are in a series called Approaching Jesus, uh, and we're talking about what is this communion thing. It's going to initially sound like a church kind of conversation, but it's going to end up very much become very holistic. And I've got four common questions that are asked. I want to get out of the way, and then we'll jump into our scripture and understanding communion and embodying community. And the first question is, why in the heck do we use these stinking prepackaged communion cups? Well, there's, there is COVID and there is gluten. And as, as much as we, you know, may not appreciate this, these people put these things out at just the right time has really been helpful. We're going to keep going with this and using this, but starting today, we're going to also start serving communion for the old-fashioned way uh, with individual cups and bread uh, that's over there. Second question is on our communion is, why in the world have we taken the use yeast out of the wine and put it in the bread. What do we got? That's what, you know, typically is not what happens. Why do we take the yeast out of the wine and put it in the bread? And I would say the answer is clearly, I have no freaking idea. I have no, who knows? It probably has more to do with prohibition and alcoholism than we care to admit. And if anybody wants to start a petition that says, put a yeast back in the wine, I'm all, I'll be the first one to sign it. Okay, so anyway. Uh, now, there is a couple more questions that are a little bit more theological. Is who could take communion? And it's anybody that is come, has come to know and follow Jesus. If you don't know and follow Jesus, don't take it. It's a little bit saying, like, you believe something when you don't. You're trying to embody something when you're not. It's a, kind of a hypocrite move. But, and there's no judgment if you decide to skip. You, some people also skip because they have unforgiveness towards somebody. Um, because they have sin in their life, and they know they need to work on that before they pretend to be embodying, really, the gospel. And uh, so that's, yeah, but if you don't have to be baptized in a certain way or be a member of the church, if you come, if you come to know and follow Jesus, we welcome you to be a part. Third question is, and this is uh, the other last, this is the fourth question, last theological one, is, is Jesus physically present? So this is a super theology one, but it's actually really helpful to know from church history standpoint. Is Jesus physically present in communion? Is he spiritually present, or are we just remembering what he did? And those are, those are it's really continuum, and within that there's nuances within it. But to overgeneralize it a little bit, the Roman Catholics, the Orthodox Church in the East, Eastern Europe especially, um, a few Lutherans and some Methodists believe that when the priest actually says, says a blessing over the wine and the bread, it literally becomes the body of Jesus, right? That it literally becomes it. Now, if you said, hey, well, let's just try, try some genetic testing, they'd say, okay, we know. But they would also say, this is what literally happens. And Part of the reason why they got there is it just means so much to them that they started reading the text that we're going to study today literally when Jesus says, this is my body. 
And they don't want to sacrifice that, which I appreciate that. But it seems like they're reading into it. 500 years ago, a bunch of Protestants said, this is one of the reasons why the church is off. And uh, these other views uh, became more popular, that Jesus is either spiritually present or we're just remembering what he did. Most of you are probably growing up over here on this side. Since we uh, do not, we live in a more Protestant area with all of our denominations and whatnot. Spiritually present uh, just basically means that we are spiritually feeding on Christ with our hearts. What it's trying to do is honor the psychosomatic way Jesus is treating this and saying, well, let's not make the big difference between the body and belief. Let's not categorize this. Let's think about this psychosomatically a little bit like you would use nutrition to help your mental health. In the same way, let's try to embrace the fact that, no, really, let's, let's uh, embrace some mystery here. And um, we spiritually feed on Christ in our hearts. And then most of them believe in that moment the Spirit does something miraculous in the church, in community, that there's a sweetness, a special outpouring of the Spirit, and somehow it catalyzes uh, the church and Jesus in this moment, that Jesus is in a special way spiritually present. So that's the spiritual one. That's where I am. There are several people in the room that would be a memorial. Memorial is a little bit like flashcards. You know, when you're studying for the test, you remember, you're trying to remember. In the same way, uh, it's about remembering what Jesus Christ did on the cross for our sins. A lot of, some Baptists and some Pentecostals uh, wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but it's just a memorial. What tends to happen is the ones that tend to emphasize it less tend to be over here on this side and the one that emphasize it more for obvious reasons because they really want to be experiencing with Jesus are on this side. And so how much communion was emphasized in the church had a lot to do with what they thought was actually happening in that moment. Uh, for me, it was a memorial or flashcard, and the longer I've gone studying in the scripture and experiencing communion, the more special it's become, and that's a bias there. All right, four questions on communion. There you go. Uh, all right, let's open up your Bibles to Luke 22, 7 through 34. 7 through 20, 34. This seems like a very churchy uh, sermon. <clears throat> it is. It's talking about communion. Uh, but it also is going to get very practical to your life. Okay? As Jesus intended. So in honor of God and his word, would you please stand as I read Luke 22. We're going to start all with verse 7. I'm going to go way down to verse 34, so we're going to be standing up for a minute here. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city... A man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and they found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said 
to them. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Verse 24, a dispute arose among them as to which was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assigned to you, my Father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you, but he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Let's talk about understanding communion and embodying communion. Understanding communion and embodying communion. The big idea today is going to be that Christ calls you to receive and give grace. That's a big idea. Uh, you know, I understand earnestly desiring to spend time with my brother. That's what the verse said, earnestly desiring. That word in the original language there is the word epithemia, which means an inordinate or over-the-top desire. In fact, when it's translated in the negative, it's the word lust. But here it's in the positive. Jesus earnestly desires to be with his disciples. And I get earnestly desiring to be with my brother. Last week, uh, three weeks ago, we found out my brother, who really is my hero um, in life, uh, has stage four colon cancer. And it's spread to his lungs, it's all over the place, in his hip, uh, his liver. And, uh, and I flew to Dallas for six days to spend time with him, to enjoy him, um, and to uh, help him get his affairs in order. 
And there was one point, I mean, I didn't sleep well. I mean, in the middle of the night with him coughing, knowing that it was tumors that was causing all that. And it just was really hard. And yet, there were several times, one time in particular that I don't know if I'll ever forget. Um, we went to this Tex-Mex restaurant. And remember, I grew up in Texas. I had help in the kitchen that would make corn tortillas by hand growing up. Okay, so I'm like next level, next level Texican, Texan, right? And Mex Mexican food, I love it. I ate the best burrito I ever had in my life at this place called Katie Trail. And it's this patio, the sun was shining, my brother and I were just laughing and enjoying it. And on top of all that, they brought a community beer, which is a local craft brewery, IPA, called Mosaic IPA. They put it in this chalice looking, I mean, <laughs> like it might be a communion. And it was absolutely, it's the best, okay, I love hazy IPAs. This is the best IPA I've ever tasted. And every time I go back to Dallas, it does not disappoint. It's got tropical and fruity overtones. <laughs> it's got 8.6% gravity, 85 uh, international bitterness, 